there was, a, there was an antique dealer named Roy, and he bought what he thought might be Jefferson's desk, which had uh, apparently disappeared during the Civil War. But he concluded it was just a good reproduction, so he put it in an auction that, you know, for him to sell. So on the auction day, a woman came in, she loved the desk, and she promised to buy it, pick it up the next day. But before the auction, a friend of Roy's, who was kind of an expert in these things, he said, did you get a good price for that desk that you have a hold on? And he said, you know, I just, I'll, I just get what I had in it, at least I will tomorrow. His friend said, I'll give you twice what you paid right now. Tom, you're crazy, Roy said. That's not an original, that's just a good copy. No, 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 no. Only the insides of the drawers have been replaced. The chestnut is 18th century. The craftsmanship is definitely original. When the woman arrived the next morning, Roy explained what he'd learned. And she said, so then you're, you're not going to sell it to me. He said, oh, no, no, I will. I gave my word. But after she weighed the responsibility of owning a Jefferson desk, she told Roy that she'd just settle for a good reproduction. So Roy sold the desk to a museum. He presented the woman with a beautiful reproduction, plus a check for $100,000. See, Roy had something of great value, something much more than a piece of historic furniture. He had integrity. That's the thing we want, isn't it, in our leaders, in organizations, in the church, in the people we know, in our own selves. Yet we're tempted in so many ways to chip away at it through the myriad choices that we face every day. A Columbia researcher determined that by the time we've lived 70 years, we will have made 1,788,500 decisions. That is about 70 decisions a day. Those are the opportunities where we can grow our integrity or dismantle it. And the sum of all of those choices shows who we are, right? Well, the word integrity comes from the Latin word integer, which means whole. You know, we were taught in school that whole numbers are integers, right? That's a number that can be written without any fraction. And it's when the various elements of our lives, our thoughts, our words, our actions, are unified that we're whole. Psychologically, we're integrated. And as Christians, our integrity reflects the character of God's wholeness, which is true, beautiful, and just. I actually don't like preaching on integrity. <laughs> this is, you know, it's daunting. It's daunting, actually. And if a preacher deals with the subject without a, at least a little shaking in his or her, her boots, they're not really being honest with themselves. So I come today at this, to the subject with a keen awareness of that as I've thought about it, especially this week, of the places in my life that are not yet whole, where sometimes my words and actions don't align, places where I'm not even being honest with myself. Preaching is the practice of pointing to the truth and not pointing to the preacher as the example. Thank God. So that's my posture today. I wanted to spell it out really clearly up front. Well, the scriptures that we've heard today, like last week, converge around a theme, I think. You may remember last week, it was a call to make a commitment, a deep and abiding and, and, and important commitment to follow God. 
Remember, choose you this day who you will serve. This week, I think it's the theme of integrity that's woven throughout the passages. Wisdom about the way to live, the kind of choices to make, the things to avoid, the things to cherish. All tied to the inner life of the person whose life is found in God. It's not about keeping a set of rules, but about being the kind of person whose character reflects the character of God, and then who lives that out in a certain way, where the inner and the outer parts of our life are true and consistent. A quality of heart that results in a certain way of living. Now, Jesus lived with the wholeness of his being. We're talking about an example for integrity. That's where we go. Henri Nouwen wrote this. He said that in Jesus, no division existed between his words and his actions, between what he said and what he did. Jesus' words were his action. His words were events. They not only spoke about changes and cures and new life, but they actually created them. In this sense, Jesus is truly word made flesh. In that word, all is created, and by that word, all is recreated. He goes on to say, saintliness means living without division between word and action. If I would truly live in my own life, the word I am speaking, my spoken words would become actions, and miracles would happen whenever I open my mouth. (laughs) I like that. So how do we live that way, though? Where do we even begin? Well, James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God who does not change. In other words, who has absolute integrity. And that gift has given us life. It's a certain kind of life, a life that is marked by actions that look like God, actions that sustain community. And then James, he he spells out some things. He He gives us some specifics. He gives wisdom to us around the things that we say and do and how they need to match up. What James tells us is this, that if we listen to the word of wisdom, or the word of God, but we refuse to do what it says, we're like someone who looks in a mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like when he steps away. Now, there are people like that. There are people actually with a medical condition sort of like that who have no memory, no capacity to learn, no depth. However, if we gaze intently into the law that gives freedom without forgetting to do what it says, then we will be blessed in what we do. In other words, the actions we desire, the integrity we are called to walk in, comes from intently contemplating the gift of life that we've received from God and what it offers and requires. I think Moses says something really similar to uh, the people to obey the commands of God. He says, observe them carefully. For this will show wisdom and understanding. Be careful. Watch. Do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart. Teach them. Knowing the perfect law of love, gazing intently into it, meditating on it, feeding on it, letting it fill our being, that's the source and the sustenance of integrity. Now, it's much easier to compile a list of things to do and a list of things to avoid. That's much easier. Right? I mean, just lay it out there, we'll do this, we won't do that. And of course, some lists we do need. I mean, Jesus gives us a list right here of things that defile. So it's not, it's not about the list, it's about the legalism that we attach to things that um, may not sometimes be that important. Well, Jesus condemns this in the Pharisees, who are really great at keeping track of every little legal requirement 
And he quotes Isaiah to them. He says, you honor God with your lips, but your hearts are far from God. In other words, they have no integrity. Their hearts are not turned to the source of wholeness, which is the Lord. If we want to be people of integrity, then we look to the source, the life of God, to shape us to be the people who flow from our hearts outward in unified and whole actions. And you know, we have to be honest in the depths of our own being with God and with others and with ourselves because God looks on the heart and we must also if integrity is our goal. There are some things such as spiritual direction, counseling, uh, contemplative and centering prayer. These things are tools that can help us to know better the truth about ourselves. Someone has noted that down through history, the predominant viewpoint has been that what we do determines who we are. Aristotle wrote this, we are what we repeatedly do. A recent TED Talk declared, you are what you tweet. Yet it seems Frank Zappa, of all people, got it right. You are what you is. In other words, it's not what we do that determines who we are. Rather, who we are determines what we do. Who we are determines what we do. Integrity comes from within. As Jesus says, so it is the evil. So we have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. We, have, we still have choices to make, so many choices to make every day, but we have the encouragement and the enabling of God's life in us to walk in it, to walk with integrity. James says, humbly accept the word, the word that's planted in you, and get rid of all the stuff that opposes it. In other words, work out your own salvation. Do what integrity requires. I'm really grateful for the encouragement, but the enabling that we're given by the Holy Spirit to walk with integrity, to grow in integrity. It's not all our doing, right? I mean, we have to participate with it. It's a dance. We make choices and we, 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 we feed on the Word and the, and the Spirit's presence within us. But it's not mostly on our side. We're leaning on the Lord's power to do that. I have an example of that, and it comes out of James right here. James says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I mean, that's the way I remembered it. So he's giving some specifics. You know, one of the things I have from my dad is his Bible. I didn't take a lot of stuff from the house uh, when he passed away, but I, I did make sure that I got his Bible. And it's, um, it's a big, thick, you know, Baptist-like Bible, right? And, um, and it's all marked up. He's got things underlined, he's got words, you know, he's got things he's learned, he's got pamphlets that he's put in there, orders of worship, there's even a thing in there about 100 ways to love your life, your wife well, and things like that. I mean, it's just, it, but next to, this, next to this verse, next to this verse about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, he just has an exclamation mark. When I was young, my dad had a real problem with anger. He was a, not, you know, he didn't hit us or anything like that, but he was a frustrated man, and I don't know why. And even my younger brothers don't remember this about him, but I do. He just had angry outbursts. One time when I was probably uh, eighth grade or freshman in high school, and I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again. There was, uh, we were getting ready for a revival service. Well, the Baptists always had revivals, you know, and it just means we're, we've got some meetings coming up. 
And the, um, so we want the men of the church to meet for breakfast and just pray so that, you know, it's part of getting ready for this, this revival. And we've done, we've done this many, many times before, usually spring and fall. And so being a young man in the church and wanting to kind of grow up, I went. There was maybe one other young teenager there. And we did what we usually do. We, you know, we had a little bit of teaching. We had breakfast. And then they said, well, let's pray. So we knelt. We were in this chapel part of our church, and we knelt down, and everybody faced a chair, and we kind of kneeled. All our eyes closed. Then I heard a sound I had never heard before. I heard the sound of grown men weeping. Weeping. All of them. I was a little embarrassed at first, but I thought, wow, I just kept quiet. I was not weeping. The revival began on Monday. It was supposed to go four days. That revival lasted 10 weeks. In fact, we had to move to another church that was bigger, which was such a huge deal for our church because we didn't, we didn't fellowship with any other churches. Many people in our town came to faith. Many people, were, their lives were transformed. Many Christians were transformed. I'm just so glad I got to see it. <laughs> a real revival that just felt. just. <clears throat> and you know what? After that, he never talked about it, but my dad was not an angry man ever again. He had integrity that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. A visitation of God's Spirit, a radical change, a conversion of heart can make us more and more to be people of deep integrity. I need this. This is how I think of our church in our community, and our life together. I pray for it. A true revival here among us. A good and perfect gift to enable us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. You know, all the things that we do and talk about, you know, strategies, good, resources are important, and other practical things. But if you know, the Holy Spirit really gets a hold of our community here, those things will be secondary. I really believe that, and I long for that, for the Holy Spirit to visit us, to break us, to heal us, and to fill us with a love that just overflows to this community. That's the integrity I desire for me and for us. So I say, come Holy Spirit. You know, it's never too late to be a person of integrity. You know, there's no kind of, you know, sell-by date on that. Psalm 119 says, joyful are the people of integrity. And this can begin at any point in our lives. And actually, they're, you know, it's, it's a constant renewing thing. But, you know, if you feel like, yeah, I really blew that, you know, I messed up, and I'm sort of marked now. <laughs> Not true. Not true. There may be areas of your life that are really hidden and dark. It's not too late. Not too late to say, Lord, I, I want integrity in these places in my life. It can begin today. It 
can begin with a visitation of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And I know this is what God desires to do, and I know God desires to do it in me and in you. So I'm going to ask that we pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are you are whole. Lord, you are integrity. And we desire that. And the great thing is that you desire it. And you will bring it to us as a gift if we will surrender and open to you. So in just the recesses of our hearts right now, I want you to name in silence to the Spirit the areas in which you desire integrity. Or maybe you've really struggled where your words and actions do not match. Lord, you know the hearts of your people. You know what you desire to bring to us, a wholeness. A wholeness so that the, those around will know that you are God. So Lord, do that work. Do that work today. Begin it if it's fresh. Areas that we just are surrendering to you. And Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Exegesis can lead to a sermon. Sometimes it leads to other things. I'm going to close the sermon today with just a prayer in music that came out of the exegesis that of these things. Lead me to my true home.